Imagine God appeared to you right now and said, I want you to spend your day today getting your friends and family ready for Judgment Day. If God said that to you, what would you do? Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. It's your very first day on the job. You're a little nervous. Your boss, you see him coming. He's about to come in and talk to you, and so you get a little bit nervous. But, but right away, he smiles and sets your heart at ease, and he just says, Look, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just here to give you the three things that you're going to need to be successful in this job and to do well. The first thing is, here's your job description. You're going to want, it's exactly what's required of you, so you know, you don't have to guess, this is your, this is your job, that's your purpose. Then, the second thing, he gives you a sheet of paper that has your salary and the whole package and all the benefits, which are very generous, and you're pleased to get that. You look at the papers like, wow, okay, this is a lot of money. Then the third thing he gives you is just all the stuff that you need to do the job. So he shows you your office, and he says, here's your administrative assistant, your staff, or whatever. Here's keys to your company car. You're going to need that. and what, All the stuff, whatever stuff you're going to need to get the job, he gives you, this, gives you the tools. Now, the reason I mentioned those three things that you would need to do a job is because... In this passage that we're looking at, we're going verse by verse through the book of Philippians as a church, and when we, we get now to chapter 2, verse 16, and what we're going to see here, verses 15 to 16, is those same three things. The objective, the necessary resources, and the motivation. Those are the same three things that God gives us in this passage with regard to our job, our task that he's giving us. So, if you're a Christian... You got a job. You are a steward in God's household. Steward was basically a staff person in the home who's in charge of various household tasks. So each one of us is a steward in God's household, or just to use another analogy, Scripture says the church is like a body. That means every single particular part of the body has a role, right? It has a function. God has hired you on as a worker in his field. He's put you as a steward in his household. And uh, so you have a job. So you're going to need these three things that I mentioned at the beginning, a job description. You're going to need the tools, uh, resources to get your job done. And you're going to need incentive to get moving, some salary or something, some kind of incentive. Or to put it more simply, we could say it this way. You're going to need purpose, power, and passion. And the way that the Lord gives us that in this passage is by way of example. He's going to show us in Paul's example those three things. So we'll start with the first one. We'll start with the, the purpose of ministry. What are we doing? What are we trying to accomplish in ministry? Let's take a look at what Paul was trying to accomplish, the outcome. Look at verse 15 in your Bible. Philippians 2.15. We should stop complaining so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. So the purpose of Paul's ministry was for the Philippian church to become all of that. Blameless, that means people on the outside who observe your life and they don't see any fault, they don't see any major flaw. Pure, that's more of an internal focus, uncontaminated on the inside by sin. Without fault, that's sacrificial terminology. That's when God told the people in the Old Testament to offer a spotless lamb. That word spotless, that's this word. 
no defect in worship. So, so when people look at you from the outside, when you look at your own heart from the inside, when God looks at your, the sacrifice of your life from above, every angle, uh, there's righteousness, there's purity. And then one more descriptor, children of God. So blameless and pure, without fault, children of God. He wanted them to become children of God. Now, they're already believers. We know that from chapter 1. They're already children of God by adoption. This is saying they need to become children of God by resemblance. Act like God. It's kind of like if you saw someone and you said, you saw some kid and you're like, you can sure tell he's his father's son. Well, everybody's his father's son. But what does that, that mean? It means he's acting like his dad, right? And that's the idea here. Become children of God. Become people that are obviously children of God. Paul's using the language we found last week of Deuteronomy 32.5 here. And he's reversing it. Remember in Deuteronomy 32.5, God made just the shocking statement to Israel, you are no longer my children. What? No longer Israel? No longer God's children? And just before they enter the promised land? Yeah, he disowned. Because of their rebellion and their grumbling and all of that, he disowned that generation of Israelites because they were they had become a crooked and depraved generation because of fault. And and so so what Paul's saying here, he's taking all that language and he's reversing it for us. He's saying, unlike that apostate generation of Israel that was disowned, they were non-children of God, crooked and depraved generation because of fault, I want you to be true children of God without fault. In the midst of a crooked and depraved generation against which you stand out, you shine like stars in the night sky. Now, that stars part, that's a quotation from Daniel 12, verse 3, when he says shine like stars. Daniel, he's talking there about after the resurrection, in, in eternity, in the eternal state, someday you are going to shine. The righteous will shine like stars forever in heaven someday. That's that's the future. But Paul now takes that language and applies it to here and now. You're already to the degree that you stop complaining, you start trusting God um, in his providence and accepting what he does. You're already shining like stars in the universe to some degree. So the so so the purpose of Paul's ministry is to get the Philippians to that point where all of that is true. Blameless, pure, children, God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation. It's quite a description of what God wants from a church, right? This is the goal. True Israel, true people of God, people who don't complain, don't grumble. Instead, they're grateful. They, they accept God's providential plan and they're responsive to God's love. And so they become pure and blameless, shining like stars in the universe. And the goal of all ministry, all ministry in the church is to make that happen. Okay, That's the goal. That's the job description. That's Paul's objective in ministry. That's what he's working for. That's what he's praying for. Remember back in chapter 1 when he started this book, that great prayer in Philippians 1, 9 to 11? He uses these same two words, pure and blameless. Verse 9, he says, this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more. So that Verse 10, so that you may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. And that's the, that's the focus here. The point of being pure and blameless, not just now, but the, the, the main point is, I want you to be pure and blameless when Jesus comes back. I want him to find you that way. So, to boil all that down, everything I just got done saying, you boil it all down, and it's basically this. The purpose of all ministry is to get people ready for Judgment Day. 
That's why we do everything we do in ministry. To get people ready for Judgment Day. And being ready for Judgment Day, then, means Jesus comes back and he finds you to be pure and blameless, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes from him, children of God without fault, shining like stars in a dark world. The purpose of ministry in the church is to make all that happen. Everything we're doing, all of it, building friendships, greeting one another, having fellowship, visiting one another in the hospital, making meals for each other, doing Bible studies, doing small groups. It's all for the purpose of preparing each other for that day, getting each other ready. That's the job description for the church in general. But each one of us in particular has a different role in in, in reaching that big goal. So you're, maybe your role might be very direct, like you're the one preaching the gospel, or you're the one teaching the word or whatever, or your role might be more of an indirect supporting kind of a role to make it possible. So you're, you're, you're running sound, you're doing whatever, you're, you're, maybe you're teaching Sunday school where you get kids started on that path towards being pure and blameless. Maybe you set up the chairs so people can sit and listen to, maybe you run the AC, you know, so, or do maintenance so that people can, uh, focus on the word that gives life in the middle of summer, you know, without getting distracted. Maybe God gave you, um, administrative skills so that you can organize things and develop a system so that all of this ministry becomes more efficient and effective. Maybe you're a, an encourager. That's your role. Your, your main thing is you just keep the saints around you from getting discouraged and giving up along the way so that they keep going and finish the race uh, so that they're ready on Judgment Day. We all have different roles. But it, all those different roles are for one purpose. Prepare one another for that day. Some Christians fall into the error of thinking that it doesn't really matter all that much, the condition of your life on the day that you die, as long as you're going to heaven. Right? They say, I'm not really all that concerned about what happens on Judgment Day, as long as I get a pass and I get to go into heaven. But that's not a biblical attitude. The Bible has a lot to say about preparing for the day Christ returns. The spiritual condition you're in when you die will determine a lot about your eternal condition in heaven. And if you think loss of reward on Judgment Day won't bother you, think again. 1 Corinthians 3.15 warns us about loss of reward as something that should matter to us. I mean, who are we kidding? We lose our wallet in this world and we get upset. You don't think it's going to bother you to lose something infinitely more valuable? Jesus devoted 25% of the Sermon on the Mount to teaching about how to gain rewards in heaven. And then he ended that whole section by commanding us to store up for ourselves treasure in heaven. It's a command. So it matters a lot whether you're struggling with a particular sin when you die or if you have victory by then. And it matters whether your family members are on good spiritual track when they meet the Lord. So it matters a lot whether you're straying from the Lord or seeking hard after the Lord when you die which could happen at any moment. And it matters whether your family members are on a good spiritual track when they meet the Lord. It matters a lot how the people in your small group at church will be doing when they reach the end. Your words of encouragement, warnings, rebukes, instruction, your prayers for people, those aren't just to help them get through the day-to-day. All those words will matter a lot on Judgment Day. 
and they could put your family members and friends in a much better position for eternity. Keep that in mind today. Whenever you have the opportunity to build someone up or tear someone down spiritually. Father, forgive me for not taking your promises of reward more seriously. You talk about them so often. Clearly, they're important to you. Help me make them important in my heart. You reign forever, Father. You have established your throne for judgment. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one of us may receive what is due us for the things done in the body, whether good or bad. That day will come when the angel flies in midair and says in a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. You've warned us. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received a knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins will be left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. The sins of some men are obvious, reaching the place of judgment ahead of them. The sins of others trail behind them. But no one will get away with anything. The wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. But you watch over the way of the righteous. The Lord Jesus Christ is coming soon, and his reward is with him. He will give to everyone according to what he has done. So there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Father, help me help my family and friends to long for your appearing. If what we have built survives on that day, we'll receive reward. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor. Keep us alert, Father, so that we don't lose what we've worked for, but that we'll be rewarded fully. May we not throw away our confidence, because it will be richly rewarded. I know that we will receive an inheritance from you as a reward. Your words are more precious than gold, Lord, than much pure gold. They're sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them is your servant warned, in keeping them is great reward. Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of Philippians, 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.